Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're asking questions this season at PCC, and questions have the potential to be life-changing. In essence, you saw that last line, life is found in the questions. I'm Brian Wren, one of your pastors, and I was once asked a question that truly did change my life. The question went like this, am I your girlfriend or not? (laughs) And what I found myself in was what they call a DTR. Have you heard of that before? A DTR, we'll put the definition. A DTR is defining the relationship, the uncomfortable talk no one wants to have about their dating status. Now, I was asked the question, am I your girlfriend or not, by a woman that I was hanging out with in college. And when she asked me that question, I said, well, what do you mean? That was a bit of a stall tactic. (laughs) And she went on to say, am I your girlfriend or not? And I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you're asking me permission to go to another formal with an old girlfriend of yours at a different college, am I your girlfriend or not? She went on to say, I think if I'm your girlfriend, you go to our formal together and you only do it with one person. That question was a pivot point in my life. That question was a question about my understanding of our relationship. That question was about um, whether or not there was true trust. That question was about intimacy, wasn't it? Have you been there? And you might not have been there in a dating relationship. It could be from a friend who is calling out your commitment and your friendship. It could be uh, from a child, uh, actually, to uh, a mother or father. It could be in any sort of relationship. And what's interesting today is Jesus is really having a DTR with us. He's looking to define the relationship by this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I actually say? I want you to look at that question, and I want you to take about 30 seconds to ponder, what do you think of this question? What do you think of it? Seems harsh, seems to cut to the chase, I don't understand the question. And I want you even to write a a response on your notes or you just do it in your head. What do you think of this question? I think this question, would you do that right now? I want you to get engaged with this question. I think this question is calling me to, I think this question is, just finish that line. What do you think about the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say. Take a moment, jot that down, ponder it in your head. Well, let's hear some thoughts. I think, what about this question? Somebody share that for us. I think. Totally you think it's totally fair? Okay. So. Peggy's saying, I think it's totally, it's a totally fair question. It's kind of like, am I your girlfriend or not? What's our deal? Somebody else. 
It's prudent. I think it's, pr- yeah, uh, I think it's prudent. Somebody else, what's it stirring you? I think it's about, I think. Yeah, so I think it's about commitment, you're saying. There's something about commitment. He's asking the disciples about commitment. Somebody else over here. Yeah, there's a limit being set here, kind of like there were some limits being set on me in that relationship or those relationships I was engaging with. Anybody else? What's that? Yeah, there's an accountability to this question. Back there, last one. Yeah, if I truly love God, why wouldn't I obey? So I think there's obviously something about obedience in here. There's obviously something about actually just being authentic about this relationship. Just like I was being called on the carpet to be authentic about my relationship. It's about what's going on in your heart. It actually is also straight up about hypocrisy, and it's also about the ultimate first question that was asked in the Bible. Adam and Eve were asked the question, where are you? I think this is the New Testament version of the Old Testament question. It could, in summary, reflect this. I think this summarizes the question and what we're really focusing on today. The name we call God should reflect our relationship with him. The name we call God should reflect our relationship with him. Have you ever pondered what do you actually call God? What is your... I know for my wife, I, I call her certain things. My one daughter, if, you, if we got in here and talked about what we call our kids at the most intimate level, like we call our one daughter Wheezy Woo. I mean, how did we get to that? Okay, you know, we call our one boy Buggo. That's, we, on his birth certificate, it does not say Buggo. All right? But you, there's these names of intimacy that we end up calling one another. Is that true? And they reflect our relationship with the person. So this question is calling out for us to consider, what is the name we call God and how does it reflect our relationship with him? And can we be very authentic with that? Grab your Bibles and open up uh, to Luke 6. And grab a pew Bible, even if you have an electronic Bible, and open up to 1033, because I want you to see something in a macro way in the text today. So 1033 in the pew Bible, and Luke 6 in your own Bible, or if you just really want to pull it up in your phone. If you, uh, we use version here. If you're looking in version, all the message notes are right in version, and you can access those. But the background is this. There are a lot of people calling out to Jesus right now, Lord, 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 Lord. There's a lot of people who are having needs. He's amongst a thousand people we pick up in Luke 6, and in Luke 6, uh, he's about to convey to them some of the exact teaching that he had on the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew uh, 5 to 7. But he's actually in a different location. This is called the Sermon on the Plain. This is not an airplane. This is a plain such as a plain in the area, uh, a grassy flat area. But there's a thousand people that are wanting a piece of him. And you can see, they, they keep saying, they're reaching out to him. And they're using the phrase, Lord, Lord. And if you look, he goes on to lay out to them what lordship looks like. 
You're calling me Lord, Lord? Well, let me tell you a few things. And we'll just scan over here. First, he says, this is back up from Luke 17 on, he gives them some blessings and some woes that'll happen if you call me Lord, Lord. Blessed are you who are poor. So even you, the poor, will be blessed if you call me Lord. Blessed are you who are hungry. Even you who are hungry will call me blessed. And sometimes he's speaking physically, and other times he's speaking spiritually. Blessed are you when people hate you. So you're calling me Lord, there could be some reverberation back. And then he goes into some woes, but woe to you who are rich. If you're going to call me Lord, woe to you who are rich because you're probably going to have to deal with it in a new way. Woe to you who are well fed. So he's getting people to think. He continues on then and goes into this whole thing about enemies. And look what he says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. That's a new boundary and an expectation for someone to call. If you're calling him Lord, there's an expectation there. He goes on to say in 37, do not judge and give and it will be given to you. So he's asking people to do things that aren't normative. He goes on by 43 to convey to them in the Sermon on the Plain, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. He's talking about if you call me Lord, it's going to change your heart and something's going to transform in a new way from you well, you've got to call me Lord. And then he drops the DTR question in 46. And let's read 46 to 49 because I've just given you the context. They're calling out to him, Lord, Lord. And he says to them, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not, say what, and do, not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and put them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep. Would you underline that? Who dug or highlight that down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not be shaken because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. There's many things he's saying there, and he gives a metaphor for what it looks like and what happens as a result if you don't actually obey or have a firm foundation. But I want us to focus on the word Lord, and I want you to ponder what you think of that word. Because that's the key word in this passage, Lord, Lord. When you hear the word Lord, positive or negative connotation? Because the intent of the word is highly positive. The intent of the word is loving master. Do you think of it that way? That's what it actually means, loving master. Not mean, angry, I'm coming after you, you got to meet this high bar, and if you don't, I'm going to get you, master. Not this, I'm going to ignore you, you're so lowly, you don't even matter to me. But no, you have great value. I care about you deeply. And I have something so much better for you than what you'll realize. But do you believe that when you hear the word Lord? Because for many of us, it seems lording over is what comes to mind. So we just take a moment. Do you believe when you hear the word Lord, the Lord, the reference that God has for you is that I'm your loving master, or do you believe something else? Because that's key. That understanding dictates, in many ways, why you're willing to follow or not. So would you ponder that? Does the Lord have a positive or negative connotation? And it's okay either way if you have either answer. 
It's where you are. Remember, where are you? Because sometimes <laughs> the three knots happen, all right? I'm not doing well. <laughs> all right? Some, sometimes you're just not doing well, all right? And you're not feeling well, you have health issues, and you're like, Lord, where are you? Sometimes things are not going well. The circumstances around you are nutty, and you don't know what, you don't understand why they're happening. So one, it's personal. The other is it's external. What, this is not going well. The other is you're not knowing what to do. You're in over your head, and you feel left out and forsaken. Did you hear those? You're not doing well. It's not going well or you're not knowing what to do. And many times, our view of our loving master changes based on those. And so we have to understand, sometimes we're looking with the wrong lens at the loving Lord. The other thing I want you to understand is the connotation, Lord, Lord, while he's frustrated with the folks in calling out whether they really know him, in the Bible, when names are used in repetition, okay, Simon, Simon, Martha, Martha, Jacob, Jacob, Abraham, Abraham, at the burning bush, Moses, Moses. That is always a sign of deep intimacy and knowledge of the other person. So when someone calls out, Lord, Lord, in that Jewish heritage, what you're running into, he's saying, wait a minute, you're calling me Wheezy Woo. Okay, you're, you're calling me Buggo. You're using the intimate connection with me. Do you really know me? In essence, that woman in college on that day was saying to me, wait a minute, am I your girlfriend, girlfriend or not? Does that make sense? So there's this desire of intimacy, and that's where God, God wants to be intimate with us, but he also wants us to be intimate with him. So do you call him a loving master? Do you believe he's a loving master? It's interesting. I think there's three reasons that he's considering asking us this question. And it continues on. Some of this we just said. The first is this. He loves us. He has what's best for us. And he wants a truly real relationship with us. Here's what he doesn't want. He doesn't want us to have a false religious relationship with him. Anybody ever been involved in a false religious relationship with God? Oh, I have. I spent years in a false religious relationship with God. And there are times when I'm in here even, and my mind is way off, and I'm singing songs, and my heart is not engaged. I'm 80% present bodily, but my heart is 20% off. Or I'm wrestling with one of those knots, okay? I'm not doing well, it's not going well, and I'm not knowing what to do, and I'm just bogged down in that, and my heart is hard and unengaged. Right there, he's wanting us to say, Lord, Lord, help. That's how gracious this is. That's how it's not. You better call me Lord, and I have these really high standards for you. It's no, 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 no. I have something so good for you. 
He doesn't want us to treat it like a hobby, our relationship. If you go back about, oh, it's probably 15, actually 17 years ago, I was in a great group with a bunch of men who were, they were, most of them were, they were actually all single. I was married at the time, and they were going through some great transitions in their life. And there was one guy in the group that one day we're out to lunch, and I say to him, you know you kind of treat this like a hobby. And we had a very intimate relationship, and I could say that to him very graciously. He's like, hey, that kind of hurt. What do you mean? And I go, well, I go, you're in the mountain biking, you're in the camping, and then you're sometimes kind of into God. And I said, oh, let me back up. You're in the mountain biking, you're in the camping, you're in the women, and then sometimes you're in a God. And he says, I guess you're kind of right. We kind of had a DTR there about his relationship. But here's what was interesting. You fast forward, it was about six months later, He had testicular cancer that he didn't know about, and it metastasized on Good Friday, okay? His dad calls me as I'm entering the worship center and says, my son is in the hospital. His testicular cancer has metastasized. Can you go see him? I went to the uh, hospital. I expected him to curse God out because this guy had quite a mouth, and he used to actually entertain me with my mouth. You have to understand, I'm not offended by swearing. It makes me giggle for some reason when people swear. (laughs) We were just in a situation the other day where we were hiking with our daughter at her school, and one of her friends from a class from last year saw her, and she walked up and said, Sadie, what the are you doing here, okay, you know, and dropped the F word, okay? What she didn't realize, two steps later, parents showed up. And the girl was like, oh, okay. And it just made me giggle, okay? And in the end, so I go to visit my buddy, and he's laying there, and I'm expecting him to just completely tell me or God off. And I lean down, I look over at the bed he's laying on, and he can't move, he's in so much pain, and the morphine's just kicking in. And he looks up at me and he says, I go, hey, buddy, how you doing? And he says, thy will be done. I almost wanted to say, you said what? And from that point over, that point forward, God became Lord to him. I've watched his life completely change. (laughs) Who he started to date, who he didn't date, the decisions he made, it was unbelievable. He wants a real relationship with us. The bummer is sometimes those knots, it's not going well, I'm not doing well, I'm not knowing what to do, is what God uses actually to get our attention and really call him Lord. But we don't have to wait till then. He doesn't want us to wait till then. And actually, he wants freedom for us through obedience. Can those two really exist? Seriously? Like, let's just ponder that. You can have freedom through obedience. It seems like enslavement through obedience. No, 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 no. But remember everything he was just telling them prior? He was saying to them, you can be free from your fear of circumstances if you'll obey me more and call me Lord. You can be free from your desire and endless desire for greed if you call me Lord. You could probably get over your gluttony if you call me Lord. You could, if you call me Lord, be free of resentment and revenge and judgment and self-condemnation and hypocrisy that's rampant throughout the Christian environment. And even you could be free from the evilness that lures in you and stirs in you. Just call me Lord and we'll work it out together. Together. 
See, the key to all these questions isn't actually having the right answer, it's having a relationship with him. Why do you worry? Not seeing people the right way. All the questions we've been asking, it's always actually not about having the right answer, but having a relationship with him to work out the right answer. We feel the pressure in westernized Christianity to have the right answer and show a good face versus to say, and agree, as we all are, we're in process, all right? How gracious was that woman on that day to call me out and say, I mean, you know what she was really calling me out on. You think you can date two people? Like, who do you think you are? You're, you're disgusting, you're a fool. But in the end, she showed me enough grace, asked me the question, I chose her, and it changed everything. It changed everything. Because in essence, I said, girlfriend, girlfriend. And that was the person who exposed me to faith in Christ. Is that crazy? How God is that gracious to let us go on journeys like that? I think the other thing he wants to do is help us avoid destruction. Remember the last line? The storm's coming, okay? The storm's coming. There will always be storms. The knots, remember? Not doing well, okay? Not going well, and I don't know what to do. Not knowing what to do. The storms are always coming. And here on earth and in heaven, here's reality. God wants to be a stabilizing force in the storms. He wants to be a peace in the presence. And it's a moment away from just calling him Lord. Just calling him Lord to experience that. He actually, in the end, and this is where I don't even preach judgment, but I will in this next 30 seconds, the reality is this. He wants to give us stability in the storms, peace in the problems, and he wants to actually justify us in the judgment where we're covered, where we're actually covered. That's probably one of the main reasons we need to call him Lord because we're not holy enough to be in his presence and Jesus died for us and the Holy Spirit's within us to help that process along. Because God wants us not to experience your own destruction. So here's what I want you to ponder right now. Where are you in direct obedience, or excuse me, direct disobedience to God right now? I won't have you raise hands and call out things, okay? You're supposed to laugh at that and feel better. Um, Seriously, where are you in direct disobedience to God? Would you be willing just to call him Lord and let you be led out of it by him. So you could get free and you could experience an intimacy with him and actually probably experience his grace unbelievably and his unconditional acceptance of you. Because think about it, go back to my original story. That woman was willing to do that and that's a person on earth. I always say that person showed me the most grace of anybody I've ever experienced on earth. It was the grace of God, I believe, exemplified through a human being. And that's exactly what God wants for us now in our disobedience to say, oh, Lord, 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 I'm sorry. Lead me out. Lead me in the freedom. You care for me, and you have so much more for me. Go back to the text and get these words marked. Dug down deep, dug down deep, built the foundation on the rock. That's what he's wanting. When you call him Lord, Lord, he's wanting you to dig down deep into the relationship. It reminds me of the Millennial Tower. 
Anybody see the 60 Minutes on the Millennial Tower? It's one of the tallest buildings in San Francisco. It's also one of the most tippiest buildings in San Francisco. And the reality is this. The reason why the Millennial Tower is in trouble is they didn't go down to bedrock. They went, they, they settled it just in the sand. The new rules now are, all right, from now on, every, every building in San Francisco has got to get the bedrock. The reason why they don't do that because it's so expensive. But look at the consequences of that. It's enormous. It's enormous. And it's the same in our lives. We don't dig down deep and build our foundation on the bedrock where we actually call him Lord. There's consequences. And there's unbelievable freedom and unbelievable intimacy that can be experienced. So where are you with what you call Lord? Take a look at this diagram. I want you to see this diagram to help you figure out where you are. Because we're all on a journey. And welcome to the journey. And I hope you feel safe to say, where are you? And explore it and, and dive into a much uh, dug down deep relationship with the Lord, wherever you are. I found myself early on in life just kind of questioning. I sat in mass and I was like, is this all real? I don't understand it all. But I got to a point. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, where I went, oh, I believe. So I was believing, but very lowly motivated. And I threw Jesus in with other people. I threw Jesus in with Coach Zolchek, who was my basketball coach. And I actually was following Coach Zolchek more than anybody else in my life. I just wanted to play for him. I'd do anything he wanted me to do for him, okay? And he was like a second father figure. So Coach Zolchek was way above Jesus, okay? And then there were some other teachers at school that I really admired. And so Jesus was just clumped in with teachers. And like when I got to college, I was reading books on Buddha. And they just, Jesus, Buddha, Coach Zolchek, it's all the same, okay? Pretty low view of the Lord, okay? All right? But then I got to a point where my faith and my life collided. That same woman, that same woman asked me another question along the way. Are you a Christian? This is when I was calling her girlfriend, girlfriend, finally. And I say to her, I'm Catholic. Does that count? That speaks to just my ignorance. I I didn't even understand the question. Then I got exposed to these Christian people, and they did things I didn't do. They did a lot better things than I did. They seemed to have a perspective in a way that I didn't have, and it was very interesting to me. Long and short, I came to a place in my own life where I crossed over from believing the following when I realized there was so much pain built up in my life um, that I'd caused myself and others. I was wrestling with just being at peace in general as a person in my new life as a single person. And I was going, what is the purpose of life? So I'm asking, I'm dealing with three of the biggies. Pain, what's the purpose of life? Okay. I'm, I'm wrestling with those three big issues. In the end, I realized I needed to be saved, literally from myself. And so he, I start to actually call him Savior. Lord, you are my Savior. I believe and I will try to follow you. And even in Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, in essence, the moment you truly accept Christ, you're calling him Lord. But I didn't even really know what that meant. I knew he's my Savior to me. But then in time, I began to realize I'm just kind of living off the benefits of Savior. I think I got this heaven thing covered if it all goes bad. And I do have more peace, but this thing is all about me still. 
And I still want things my way, but I love the benefits of Savior. And then I was challenged once, is he really Lord? At the center, allowing him into all aspects of your life. Ooh, I don't know if I want that. But as I let him in, he was safe and gracious and kind, and sometimes it hurt, but it changed how I dealt with people and resources, even how I viewed my own body and health, how I viewed my career and life. But here's what would happen. I'd wake up, and I feel like I was connected with them, even at a little prayer. Good morning, Lord. This is your day. I am your child. Show me your way. I worked that prayer for years. But then I'd find there would be gaps. By about 10 a.m., it was about me again. And then I'd forget about him for about two days because I'd miss that morning prayer. Then I'd show back up on Sunday and be like, all right, let's try this again. And I knew he still accepted me and received me, but he's wanting me to close the gap of where I would start talking to him and restart talking to him. Do you hear that? He wanted me to close the gap. That's what lordship's about, is endlessly closing the gap from the last time you talked to him to when you're about to talk to him again. I still have to admit, sometimes I got some gaps. I should be better at this as a professional Christian, shouldn't I? But this is the journey. This is the pilgrimage of making him Lord more and more and more. So where are you? And where you are is okay because it's where you are. And how can you almost just try out that word Lord more and more and more throughout a day? What if you spent the next 15 days just using the word Lord as often as you could remember to in a meaningful way? Good morning, Lord. This is your day. I'm your child. Show me your way. I'm walking out the door. Lord, oh, help me today. I'm not feeling very ready for this. I'm hanging out with a friend. Lord, I need to tell her or him the truth, but I don't know how. Would you tell me how to do that graciously? Oh, Lord, I have to go home now, and I have no idea what's for dinner, and I hate making dinner. And, Lord, uh, I'd rather just watch the Warrior game than engage with all my kids. Will you help me do a little better than that? Anybody relate to that? That is practical lordship. That is so practical lordship, and that's what he wants, because remember, he's our Lord, Lord. He's our intimate relationship, and he wants to say back to you your name to you twice. So you relate with him like that. When he's, when he's Lord, we surrender more and we talk to him more. When he's Lord, we actually walk by faith and less by sight. When he's Lord, we have less hate, less unforgiveness, less selfishness, less shame. When he's Lord, his word just seems to matter more and I want to be in it. When he's Lord, I'm more about kingdom than earth. Than earth. When he's not Lord, I run, I hide, I blame. I'm alone, I minimize, I'm hard-hearted. This is where the recovery world has us. They're a little bit ahead of us. If you're in the recovery world and and you know steps two through seven, then you add number 11 on there, it's almost the steps to making him Lord. Just go look up the 12 steps and just ponder two through seven and look at number 11 and you go, holy cow, they're promoting lordship. And that's why it's working for them. It's wild if you think about it. This is why Peter says, put in your hearts, or put in your hearts, or set apart, Lord, in your hearts. Help me get this verse. Can we get it on the screen? (laughs) But in your hearts, set apart, Christ is Lord. 
But in your hearts, another version says, revere Christ as Lord. Not fear him, revere him. So I don't know where you are today, but I want to leave you in this way. I want you to be aware of Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was a monk, 1500s. He was a good monk, said his prayers, did his mass. Then he realized one day, I think God's more portable than what these people are letting me know. He realized, I just don't have to say my set prayers. I can talk to the Lord at any time, at any place. He's portable. So he wrote a book, Practice of the Presence of God, and it's all about how he mastered it while he washed the dishes and when he went on for his walks and right before and during when he was talking to his colleagues where he was engaging with God along the way. It's this concept of actually having this continual devotion with him. We often think of devotions just in the morning or maybe at dinner time or a meal or at night, but having this continual devotion. This is what the Lord's wanting. This is what he's wanting. So would you consider for the next 15 days, today's the 12th, that'd be the end of the month. I don't know how you're going to work him into Thanksgiving because at one point gluttony will just win. (laughs) Lord, help me. Maybe it's, Lord, thank you for letting me enjoy all this. And that's how you let them in, all right? Oh, Lord, what am I going to do with my relatives when they come? Oh, Lord, I'm stressed, and I thought it was about being thankful. Why am I stressed? See, you can work them in. Let's close by you reflecting. Have Tabitha come up. I want you to ponder where you are. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Maybe your answer is, I don't know. Maybe you just don't know enough to trust him. Welcome. It's okay. It's the beginning of the journey. Acknowledge that and keep coming. Maybe it's, I really do want to acknowledge him for the very first time. Wrote down Romans 10.10. Or it's as simple as this. A, B, or C. A, B, and C. You could say a simple prayer. God, I acknowledge you as the one who loves me. B, I believe that Jesus died for me. C, Lord, I commit to walk with the Holy Spirit. A, B, C. Acknowledge God, believe in Jesus, commit to walk with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe for you, you just need to commit to recommitting. So look at this simple prayer. Help me to trust you as Lord. Lead me. Maybe that's the simple prayer. Help me trust you as Lord, lead me. So we take a moment, talk to him. Ponder the next 15 days of calling him Lord more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC. Our Christmas Eve services are coming up, and we would love to see you there. We have a 10 a.m. traditional service, and our contemporary services are 4, 6, and 8 p.m. All campuses will be meeting at our Farm Hill campus for Christmas Eve, so we can all celebrate the birth of Christ together. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.